It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. I'm Teresa. And I'm Colleen. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. Welcome to Tangential Inspiration. Hello. This is Teresa. This is Colleen. And I, we were just chatting about the dark days, cold days <laughs> in the Pacific North. Yes, we were. We're, we're trying not to say it every time. <laughs> trying not to grumble too yes. much. Yes, we do. We want some. We want some warm weather. Long days. Yeah. Yeah. But that ties into what I'm going to be chatting oh, about today okay. because I'm talking about Boys in the Boat. Okay. You heard that book? Barely. Okay. So I'm back excited in, to learn about um, it. Back in 2013, Daniel James Brown wrote this book. Okay. I've had so many people talk about it. Okay. They were from the state of Washington, so oh. right in our neck of the woods. And I said to Teresa earlier, I think that's a movie. It's um, going to be a movie. It's coming okay. out in Chris- at Christmas. Okay. George Clooney, I think, is the one making it. Okay. I'm pretty you sure. You had me at George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I will be chatting about these guys. Okay, I'm going to be talking about a rapper that owns a daycare. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, I know we're at the end of November, but November is Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. Oh, I did not know that. I know. So I'm I'm excited to talk about that Mm -hmm. and how the Alex Trebek family Mm -hmm. is honoring Mm -hmm. his memory with that. Good. So a rapper from West Philadelphia has been operating a daycare for years now, and he hopes to open more in the future. Oh, that's so cool. I think it's so cute. He's actually a co-owner. Mm-hmm. But Anthony, I don't care. I know. I don't yeah. either. I just thought it was adorable. Anthony Dappa Samuels co-owns the Young with Options mm-hmm. Academic Center, and it's in Philadelphia, and it largely serves low-income families. And according to the daycare's website, he started the business in 2017, and it's the same year he quit his job in accounting. Oh, my gosh. I know. (laughs) And he said, I love being able to be there and be hands-on. I take a lot of pride in that, and it actually helps me with music and in life. And I love that, too, because I feel that way around kids. Like, I just... They give you energy and... Yes. And they just make me happy. And YWO, so remember that's Young with Options, Mm -hmm. provides high-quality, safe, and engaging education to young scholars. And on Instagram, the business describes itself as more than a daycare. All families are welcome at the daycare, which provides opportunities that some children may not be able to experience outside of our center in hopes of creating the leaders of tomorrow. And I just love this, too. It says, we believe that it is important to introduce and assist children with performing at their highest potential while growing with us. Mm. And I love this, that they also have classes that are geared. And, of course, you can see this (laughs) with him. Yes. With creativity, including poetry, music, Mm. and acting activities. I know. I just love this. I want to go to that daycare. I do, too. I looked at pictures on Facebook, and Mm. it's very colorful. It's blue, Mm -hmm. and it has very rainbow colors on it. Just happy. Just very happy. 
And alongside Assistant Director Danelle Jordan, Samuels helps organize, like I said, various classes. And parents are feeling the difference, too. Janelle Walls said Samuels has not only radiated positivity in the six years she has been bringing her seven-year-old daughter there, but also helped her family when they couldn't afford the daycare fees. Aww. And I just love that. That's huge. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Because daycare is really yeah. expensive. I remember for our family... Just as a coincidence, our daycare ended at the same time we paid off our car, <laughs> like the same month. And I remember being like, we're rich. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And then you find yeah. something else to yeah. spend it yeah, on. But um, I just remember for that. But that's month, why women you know. ought to not work because, yes. it, I mean, you're working to, yeah, it's, it is so expensive. Yeah. yeah. But on the flip side. Who wants it to be super cheap? That's yeah, a, that's exactly. a concern too, exactly. right? Like yes. it, yeah. it's hard to There's find that happy children. medium. Yes. Everything about him and what he does is consistent with the Young with Options brand. To me, it's a message to kids that you can be yourself and still be successful. If you want to check out the their website and just their cute little yes. <laughs> their cute, cute little location. The website is youngwithoptionsacademiccenter.business.site. And one thing I noticed that I thought was really awesome was that they're open five days a week from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Oh, wow. And that's a really long stretch. Yeah. And I just remember, um, I mean, my daycare provider was amazing. But, you know, her hours, too. She mm -hmm. had definitely had tighter hours than yeah. that. I mean, she had a family, too. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day... Because it was kind of a long stretch for me to get to my girls. And I remember one day... I encountered a downed tree. Oh. And so, of course, I'm calling her yeah. panicking because yeah. I'm worried. That it's, and she said, hey, listen, you're never late. Don't worry about it. You know. <laughs> one day. Like, yeah. The tree is down. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, but, and you're probably close to tears. When yeah, I was close to yeah. tears. <laughs> but, you know, when you when you put in a commute and an eight-hour day, yeah. um, sometimes it can be really tight. Yeah. And so I was yeah. just... Um, as a, you know, as a working mom, I just was really impressed mm -hmm. with this time. That now, they does gave, he they sing still? You so know, I couldn't find a lot okay. of uh, um, information yeah. on him, but I just thought in my own mind, I thought, wouldn't that be cute if he was singing with the kids? Yes. Like when you saw a picture of him, he was super joyful looking. Mm -hmm. And I thought that man sings with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just picture like a yeah. um, Sesame Street or something. Yeah. You could do like, you know, all these TikToks with yeah. the kids yeah. and they could spread happiness. I just so. thought it was so sweet. Um, also, I just felt like too, like giving moms options to work mm -hmm. and um, grow. I was telling my husband about... Um, a lady at our church that she's a widow and she works and she has three kids and she still needs benefits and help. Mm -hmm. But I thought those are the kind of people that yeah. I, I want to help something like this. Right. She yeah. works so hard yeah. and, and she's not asking for you no. know, free stuff. She yeah. just needs a hand. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I just thought these are the kind of people that I am just so grateful yeah. that they can do this and still make their lives better every day. We need one here. So, I know. Yeah. So Young with Options. I love Academic that. Center. Very yes. cool. I'm going to be checking that I out. I know. It's super cute. Okay. So I noted that for years, years, people have suggested for me to read the book, Boys in the Boat. Okay. Hmm. I think I might own it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, why did I know that was a why book? Why is that so familiar? And maybe a movie. <laughs> yeah. I think it might be on my bookshelf. <laughs> well, it's a good book to have on your okay. bookshelf. Because, well, oh my I... gosh. <laughs> I'm like, what in the heck took me so long? Oh, okay. The book checked off all the boxes okay. of things that I normally am into. Like okay. with 
history. Okay, um, I love that. Underdog story on multiple levels. Okay. Yeah, and was there kind of a mystery at all? No mystery. Okay. So I guess I didn't check that box. Okay. (laughs) But um, I'm not quite sure what the holdup was. Okay. Because it's pretty long. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it just depends. I have to be in the right mood for certain things. Is it sad? No. Okay, good. Because that might take it off my list. Yeah. Sometimes... See, it's dark, yes. Yes. so it can't be sad. Yes. So I'd have to wait for <laughs> yes. summer if it was sad. <laughs> so. I ran into a girl that she's like, I might come back to classes in the spring, maybe the summer when it's light outside right. in the evening, because by the time I get off work, I just can't make dark it to the gym. Is, I'm yes. Like, oh. Yes. So, yeah, dark is dark's big up here for some It'd be people. tough, yeah. So... Um, finally, when I finally got around to reading it, I discovered that the book wasn't actually enough. I had to rent the documentary, which... Oh, there's a documentary, There is a documentary. Too. It's like okay. 52 minutes. Okay. On, um, Boys of 36. Okay. And it was so cool to see the faces and okay. actually, you know, watch the race that the book is... Okay, you know, so the documentary is called Boys of 36. Boys of 36. Okay, yeah. not Boys in the Boat. No. Okay. No. Just making sure. So, um... Okay. The story of Joe's life, this is the the main character in the book. Okay. Is sup- that part is super sad. Okay. Poor Joe has very few memories of his mom because she died. And, and there were, I saw conflicting things that said okay. um, lung cancer, some said throat cancer. So either way, she died when he was just four years old. And the things he remembers about her, her coughing into a hanky. Oh. And when she was coughing, it was bloody. Okay. And then the Those other are sad memories. Yes. Hard memories. Yes. And they get worse. So then he remembers, you know, he's four, his mom lying in a box at church and not moving. So this kid. That's has, hard to process a little yeah, kid too. Yeah. Hard to understand. So he was born in 1914 and his story just broke my heart and angered me at the same time. But I'll get into that in a bit. His father had an auto shop. So he was a mechanic, and while he was gone, really long hours. So he'd leave like at four thirty in the morning, and he wouldn't get back till seven. Talk about daycare, right? <laughs> totally. Um, it was a good job, and it provided you know comfort and security for his family. So, um, so the family just had things just happen, you know, back to back to back. And remember, we're getting close to the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. They had so the the mom had died he had remarried mm-hmm. and the new mom let me tell you would make all of the disney wicked stepmothers put together look like mother teresa she was awful and this is a real person i really have a hard time understanding how people can be so mean to I little know, kids i know i just cannot wrap my head around it i i can't either and i just i was like this can't be true this can't be true but right. it really was so his dad remarried, and his, his stepmother was couldn't have been nastier. She was just terrible. And like I said, the poor family had tragedy after tragedy. Um, the, they had a house fire, and he watched as his whole house burned down, like his dad had built this home. Right. And, and all the memories of his mom probably, too, in there, yeah. which breaks well, my heart. And so the, the stepmother didn't like those memories. Sure. And... Um, Joe remembers his dad running back into the house, even though he saw all the kids were out. That was right. fine. He ran back into the house and he pushed out his first wife's piano. Oh, that was what he wanted to say. Right, right. So, so something that she probably he, treasured. Yes, yeah. Right. She was quite the pianist. 
But I think the stepmother, Thula, would have been happy to see it burn, sure. quite honestly. Sure. Like all kids, when in a family, of there course. are disagreements. Of course. So Joe had this disagreement of some sort with his stepbrother. And you can imagine Thula, overreaction. She told Harry, the father, that she didn't want Joe living with them anymore. Oh Let that sink in. <laughs> and how old was he probably around um, this time? Do you under know? 10. Wasn't 10 yet. Oh, my goodness. So they walk up to the school. Oh, a baby. Yeah. Like, to me. Because by mean, 10, he's living. So I'll, I'll get there. So they walk up to the school. And poor Joe's sitting on the steps outside of his school while his father goes in and talks to the teacher. And when he came out, the dad had worked this deal that Joe could stay at the school in exchange. He had to chop firewood and keep the school fire, you know, wood stove going. And then he had to go and get his food from this camp kitchen. So basically, close to 10 and he's pretty much on his own. I blame the Ten. dad for that, though, too, Thank you. for not standing up for his yes. child. And then when I say that I'm angry, right. so fast forward, when um, Joe is later married to Joyce, the love of his life, she had a hard time with Harry the dad. She I had a hard time forgiving that. him. Even though Joe was like, you know, let bygones be bygones, Joyce was just like, mm, nope. And that was that's I, totally... That's, that's a yeah. hard one. Yeah. That's a hard one. How dare you? I know. Treat. Yes. A child. Yes. And let alone the person I love when he was growing up. I mean, this isn't, even though I still would have a problem, this is not like an 18-year-old kid. No. This is a 10-year-old. Yes. Little. Oh, So when he was about 15, the family packed up and moved. So his dad had this heart-to-heart with him and explained to him that, you know, Joe, if you want to be happy, he can't depend on other people. He has to learn to be happy on his own. So as the family's driving away, he sees the taillights and he hears his brother crying out, What about Joe? What about Joe? So poor thing, he had to get creative to survive. He was a very hard worker and he'd help, you know, do some logging jobs. He would, um, this was with prohibition. Okay. So he'd find moonshine. He had some sort of something and he knew that this moonshine delivery was coming in. So he'd go and steal the moonshine. (laughs) He'd fill it with, you know, probably water or something else. And then he'd go and sell. Yes, he'd go and sell the moonshine. So then he would make some money. Right. He wanted to eat. Right. And desperate people do desperate things like we've talked about before. You know, it's so interesting to me that his little brothers, I mean, even they have these little disagreements like brothers and sisters do, he still loved it. Yeah. Kids have disagreements. There's no reason to kick him out of the house. Well, and his older brother, um, for a time, he came, he went and lived with the older brother. So things were a little more stable when he was in high school. But still, the older brother had to get, you know, had to grow up himself and get, had Had a hard time. Stability. Supporting yeah, too. exactly. He barely exactly. probably support himself. So that Joe graduated from high school is pretty dang amazing. Right. Wow. <laughs> that he had his eyes on college seems crazy by yes. today's lens. Yes. He didn't have enough food to eat. So you can imagine his wardrobe. Plus, you know how mean kids can be. They made yes. fun of his clothes to the point that he'd get to school early so that he could run in and change into his workout clothes before anyone would see him and make fun of him. Right. Mm, poor kid. So getting a spot on the rowing team at the University of Washington meant that you were guaranteed a part-time job on campus, which was as close to a scholarship as it got. Right. Which is pretty amazing to me. Right. Because rowing was a really popular sport. Right. At the time. Um, well, I was just thinking these guys that are chopping wood and yes. working and as farmhands, they've got that upper body yeah. strength. This, they probably just hopped in a boat and started rowing. 
<laughs> like, I mean, a little more finesse. Although, <laughs> I'm sure working together, growing oh. together. You're bringing up all the... Are you sure you haven't read this book? I have read this book. <laughs> also, I can barely... I don't know if... I'm not even good at kayaking. Yeah. Is that... I, I don't know. Anyway, I'm impressed. Yeah. So... <laughs> So yes. you you should watch the documentary because okay. it is just beautiful. Like watching their, uh, you know, paddles. It's just like I've watched like the dragon boats, mm, mm-hmm. which here they do on mm-hmm. like, the Columbia, and it's amazing. Very pretty. Yes, that's, that's yes. a little more colorful. Yes, but these. still, yeah, amazing oh, still, to watch. Yeah, like, absolutely, the and, and a lot of work. Right. Because our friend Gail, she said, like, oh, she's. Did she was, do that? She did. Okay. And um, she also was a synchronized swimmer. I didn't know. Hard that. sport. Yes. Um, but she said the dragon boats have been the hardest thing she's ever done. Wow. Yeah. I'll have to ask her about that. Yeah. Well, fun. Compared to synchronized swimming, I mean, which you have to hold your breath. You have to, I mean, it's. Yeah. Right. So, anyway. Team sport, too. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think Joe's situation. As far as the teammates mm-hmm. on the boat was the worst of all of them. He had lost mm-hmm. his mom. He'd been abandoned by his dad. He he learned early on that he couldn't depend on anyone except right. himself, which right. is not really the way to go into a team. That's hard to trust. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I don't blame him by any means, but right. you're talking, you know, this boat of boys, they've got to count on each other. Right. So when the author went to interview Joe, his neighborhood requested for him to go interview Joe he said he only knew two things about this guy. Okay. He knew that he, when he was in his mid-70s, he had hauled and built a huge cedar fence on his property <laughs> in mid-70s, and he's doing this on his own. Wow. And that he had been one of the nine boys in the 1936 Husky team that had gone to win the gold medal in Berlin. Joe didn't want so much the story to be about him, but he kept saying, what about the boat? He wanted it to be about the boat. The boat, which I think... Uh, you know, which just encompassed a lot. It was the man that created the boat. It was okay. the boys that were in the boat. It was just was a, a lot of things related to it. The other okay. thing that I think is so cute with the author, he said that the daughter ran and got his... Um, this is Joe's daughter? Joe's daughter. Okay. So they ran and got his Joe's gold medal oh, to neat. show the author when he was doing this interview. Okay. And they were like, it disappeared for years, actually. And they're like... What? what? And apparently a squirrel. Now, <gasps> mind you, he's in Washington. So, you know, they're out there. And, sure. Um, so a squirrel must have been attracted to the gold and took it <gasps> and just, like, buried put it, it in, in the insulation. The, the squirrel oh. had buried it with inside the walls of the house in the insulation. That is so hysterical. So it had been years before they found it. And the author compared that to, you know, this the squirrel saw this bright and shiny thing and hid it, but... He really wanted this story's been hidden, and it needs to just like the come out into the open. Yes, we need Mm -hmm. to be talking about it again. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was very cute. Yes, funny that the squirrel would steal that. But also, I feel like that might be really heavy for that squirrel to drag. Talk about persistence and just determination. Right. Right. Who knows how long it took him to? um, The other really beautiful thing with um, this author is he said that as he's doing. Um, book, the book tour, when he was doing the book tour, he said it wasn't just older people coming to the uh, book signings, mm-hmm. but he was touched with it being, you know, a 12-year-old and their grandma or, you know, these young mm-hmm. kids who could see themselves in the position of, you know, Joe and the other boys in the boat and 
they could relate to it, mm. the kids. And I just thought that was really inspiring right. because I, I think it is very hopeful to right. see a young generation seeing how much persistence and and just right. even, you know giving them the respect right that they, that they deserve sure. and like i said we need to know about them right so the guy who built the boat george pocock moved to the united states with his brother when he was 19 and he also was an unofficial rowing guru he had a workshop at the university of washington boathouse and he designed and built boat shells for the university of washington since like 1923 he would eventually be the lead supplier for most of the country. And oh, wow. He could build boats. Yeah, yeah. All of those guys, like I said, were struggling. They had been, you know, they were kids. Um, they worked hard. Right. They had to work for everything they had. Think at the time. Right. The Great Depression. They right. were doing whatever jobs they could to just get a meal or two a day. Right. With this freshman crew, they started getting attention. And you can imagine how much the upperclassmen... Like that. Yeah. Not. Even though Joe excelled at rowing, he originally had been a, like a gymnast there. So they saw his oh, upper body strength. Right. They knew he was really good. Right. Um, it didn't protect him from the others mocking him. Sure. Like I said, they'll find close. something. Oh, absolutely. They'll find something. Right. Um, when he would eat what other kids had left on their plate, they made fun of him for eating discards. But he was hungry. He was I mean, hungry. the guy was always hungry. And he's a big kid. I was going to say, too, probably being so muscular and yeah. active, he All was super the, hungry. Yeah. So you'll <laughs> on have, top of that. <laughs> you'll have to read your book that's right. on the bookshelf <laughs> to know how the boys got that spot in the boat. Okay. So they made it there in 1936 to be on the team to represent the United States in Berlin. But keep in mind, this wasn't the usual crew. Like you said... These kids, you know, they were strong because they were doing, you know, hay and they right. were chopping um, wood. Yes. And, and kids of fishermen. And oh my gosh, that documentary, when you look back at the trees that we had here, right? It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to watch for that. But mm -hmm. these kids were all against people that grew up with rowing in their blood. They, kids that were elitists and had a lot of money mm -hmm. and had you know, everything given to them. Remember my story with Grace Kelly's dad? Yes. Um, and how he was treated for being a laborer. These kids, you know, from Washington, right. earned a spot on the Olympics. But the celebration was short-lived when they found out they would have to pay for their trip to Germany. Yes. And all the related expenses. Yes. So an athletic director from Pennsylvania called to tell them that they their boys were fully funded. Right. They could go. As in... His team. So he was like, if you guys can't come up with the money by the end of the week, we'll take our kids. I was watching something on another couple. It was an ice mm -hmm. skating couple that's on Netflix mm -hmm. currently about how Olympics are funded and, mm -hmm. and just the cost of things. Yeah. And it was truly amazing to me that they had to come up with all their own money yeah. to that kind of stuff and just the cost of yeah. travel and coaches yes. and everything like that. And it's pittance yeah. really what they they hardly yeah. have anything left to live on so it is difficult definitely mm -hmm. and then add to it that these kids already didn't have anything well, so it's yes like, yes um so they had to raise the five thousand dollars by the end of the week if they wanted to represent the u.s Jeez. in berlin this was before obviously social media but they definitely made the northwest proud between bake sales and fundraisers their area was able to raise the money in two days. 
Two wow. days. I know. Word of See, mouth. See, that is that's feel good right there. Right. That's inspirational that people I'm also will... surprised that the university couldn't... I'm hoping that maybe the university pitched in some of that. I hope so, too. Because really, to get even their name mm-hmm. out there, that's pretty yeah, dang that's good. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So I I'm agree. hoping they helped with that, too. I hope so, too. Yes. We need your um, accountant rapper guy. I know. To, to look into the... <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. So... That five thousand dollars. How much is that now? Because if they if they came up with that in two days, yeah. how much is that in today's money? Um, well, and my husband helped me calculate it. Nice, one hundred eight thousand dollars. Wow! In two days, that's the part that's so impressive. Right. And and two that you know these guys on the East Coast already had that. They were just like basically you know we're ready to go, but. I just love that the community came together Me and too. made it so that these these kids could go. Me too. Apparently, Hitler didn't really like the idea of having the Olympic Games in Germany originally. I'm surprised. He just didn't want the attention. He didn't want people there. But his advisors changed his mind. Mm-hmm. They thought it would be a great way to show the world that the new Germany, I'm saying in air quotes, was a great place and that the new leadership should be admired. Yeah, because he built a lot of stuff for yeah, that, from what I remember. Yeah. yeah. So at the end of November 1935, 10,000 anti-Nazi protesters say that a few times. That's right. a mouthful right there. Yeah. <laughs> but anti-Nazi protesters marched in New York City and called for the U.S. to boycott the Olympics. They had heard stories of how Jews were Things being were treated. coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the Amateur Athletic Union of the United States held a vote. And if it passed, they would send a three-person group to Germany to see if there was any truth to these stories. Sadly, it didn't pass, so there wasn't a group to survey the situation, and therefore they headed to the 1936 Olympics, you know, to witness this facade that they were putting on. And you know, the hard part about that is, you know, obviously there was horrible things happening, mm-hmm. but you punish these poor athletes. I know. It's just such a hard position to be in. Truly. Sometimes that's truly. the only time they're going to get that chance. Correct. Yeah. But at the same time, it makes me sad that we didn't know earlier right. that these horrible things were happening over there. So it's just, I don't know. I know. I, I don't even know if there's a, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm no. trying to say, but it's just awful. No, I know. There's so, like no win. No win, no win situation. One thing that I did find so cute is that, so the boys before they were headed to go across the SS, like Manhattan, to go sail to Berlin. Right. Mind you, they had only been on like lakes and rivers and stuff. Sure. So for them to be sailing across the ocean was huge. Right. And then they had to bring their, their cut, their boat. Um, they just hoped that nobody would sit on it because they were like, for some reason in my mind, I don't even know why. Like, aren't they flying with their boat? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? When we were talking about them going and everything for some reason in my head, because that's today's you would think about for today. Right. Um, but it was stuffed underneath. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) Super adorable because they knew they're you know they're on the east coast they visiting and they sure. before they headed out and they knew that the President Roosevelt had some mm. house there and so don't ask me how they knew where it was they went and one of them knocked on the door <laughs> can you imagine this happening today no so one of the Roosevelt kids came out he was a rower too and it like Cute. they got to know each other that day and Chatting I was it just up. yeah I thought that was absolutely adorable and just shows you. How they were just so innocent and naive right. and just cute, cute. Right. So 
back to Germany, they had taken down, you know, all their anti-Semitic signs. Of course. They, before this happened, they rounded up 1,400 homeless people and shipped them off to camps because they didn't, you know, that was well, a nice Hitler was a master at propaganda, yeah. so this, oh, yeah. you know. Not surprising, tracks. but yeah, exactly. It really was a brilliant plan and worked. Since the boys, you know, commented on how lovely it appeared. And sure. when they met some German rowers, the jo- the German rowers were like, Heil Hitler, you know, and, and they didn't know what to do. So they're like, Heil Roosevelt. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> it's adorable. So these guys, like I said, it's big enough for them to make it to the Olympics. Big deal, for sure. Right. But they were competing with the best of the best. The That's Italian true. team had been together for 10 years. They were longshoremen. So I'm assuming strong, mm-hmm. you know, laborers. Oh, for sure. Yep. Um, and they were experienced. The Germans were basically professional athletes. So since hit, under Hitler, it was their job. So I was just going to say a lot of countries, that's yeah. your full-time yeah. job. You get paid yeah. to do it. Yeah. You've got living your expenses yep. and everything else. And that's exactly And what, our athletes are working. And yeah. Yep. So that's exactly what Hitler was having them do. It was their job. Their sure. country supported them. Sure. And just another point of privilege versus the, you the book talked about it being, you know, worst lot of life versus privilege. Right. The Germans had won gold in five of the rowing events and I think a silver in another. And Hitler was attempting, as we know, to prove to the for the global stage that his mm-hmm. Aryan athletes were superior beings. And it seemed to be working. I mean, he seemed to be pulling this off, at least the, like you said, the propaganda and the facade, the United States and Britain had the two fastest qualifying times. So hmm. they should have been given the middle lanes because oh. they had been the fastest time in the heat before. But suspiciously, that didn't happen. Huh. Germany and Italy, who had the two slower times, oh. they were given the better lanes. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Is right. Huh. Is right, too. Hmm. <laughs> For the Americans, they were on the outside, which meant extreme wind, choppy water. They'd have to do, you know, they'd have to row so much harder just to stay at the same spot. I mean, a lot of extra work just to stay in the race. On top of that, Don Hume, there, I can't remember the names of the different spots in the boat. Okay. But he was one of the, the main, like one of the strong um, rowers. rowers. They have different positions. In there, I mean, okay. they're all strong. Don't get me sure, wrong. But, sure, um, He had some sort of lung infection, like walking pneumonia. So the coach, and the thing that's sad about this, so two of the guys had um, difficulty with asthma at different times. Okay. And a lot of it had been based on conditions where they had lived previously. So mm. once again, because of these poor conditions upbringings, upbringings it, yeah. it caused them to and be... And probably not great medical yeah, treatment yeah. either. I'm so this sure. guy... Um, is super sick. He was running a high fever mm. and the coach made the tough decision that he wanted to sub out another guy for that power seat because it was mm. a, you know, vital seat. Right. Things just didn't look good for Don Hume. So the boys still pushed that they wanted Hume in the boat. They had each other's backs. So Joe had learned with his teammates that he could rely on people. Right. And this was a first back when they and first And probably scary for him, I bet. Oh, a I'm sure. Bit. I'm sure. Um, scary for all of them to rely on this. Yes, but, I'm sure. Um, early on, the coach had asked Pocock, the the boat builder, 
to kind of show him, you know, take him under his wing because like him, he didn't have a dad really. And so he had been not consistent. Joe had been, he was a very strong rower, Mm -hmm. but he'd have really good days and then not so good days. Mm -hmm. And, and he saw the potential, Mm -hmm. but he just knew he needed a little bit of extra help. So he, Mm -hmm. he talked Pocock into chatting with him and he took him into his workshop. He showed him how the tools worked and compared the boat to a religious experience that you have to fully surrender both with the oh, boat building and with rowing. So I think that helped him as far as, you know, you got to let this go. You can't be just on your own. You have to let it go and rely on other people too. I wonder too, some of his moodiness and such too mm-hmm. might've come from just the abuse. Oh, some days yeah. you feel it and yeah. some days you don't. And yeah. just, I, I can only I, yeah. imagine. I, I like when I was reading this, I'm just like, no way could this, you know, that the dad let the stepmom do the things yeah. that she did, and then the dad would come back after she died. I'd be like, mm. "That's what <laughs> so, I mean." Like yeah. some days you have those, yeah. you feel the big feels, yeah. and some days you don't. One of the quotes that I—it wasn't a direct quote from Pocock, but that he had in the book about—he said that he told him the ability to yield, to bend, to give way, to accommodate. He said was sometimes a source of strength in mm-hmm. men as well as in wood. So long as it was helmed by inner resolve and by principle. Mm -hmm. So I just, I loved his wisdom. I love that he was willing to take Joe under, you know, his wing and, and kind of be a father figure for him in ways. Mm -hmm. The big part was to be something bigger than oneself. That's what Pocock had had taught him, told him. And that's what Joe lived for sure. He finally became something bigger than himself. Takes a lot of work for him. Yeah, yeah. All of them. These boys knew they were a part of something bigger than themselves, even though they wouldn't know just how much that was until, you know, years later. While the other countries looked intimidating, the guys from the University of Washington, they didn't even want to wear their new uniforms because... They were too nice and new. They didn't want to oh, ruin them. That's so I know. cute. That's so- Bottom line, these guys were good-hearted and humble, and they weren't just rowing for gold. They were rowing for a way of life, a shared set of values, for liberty, for people to be treated fair and equal. They didn't so much do it for themselves, but they did it for their team. Right. For each other, which is why Joe made sure to tell the author when he was interviewing him that it wasn't about him. It was about the the boat. Right. Which I just love. It's amazing. When the author was standing at the very spot where Hitler stood when he watched, you know, these humble boys take gold, he couldn't help but compare it to Hitler's own future. Because he's like, though he wouldn't know at the time, Hitler watched those boys fight from the back. They were right. way behind. And against those winds yes. and on the outside. Yes. yes. And, and that, um, so Don Hume for a while closed his eyes and they didn't know maybe he passed out or what. But finally he did come to and he, and he kicked it in. But, you know, it was looking grim for a right. little bit there. But those boys fought back and even with the worst lane, fighting the wind, the chop, they still won. And he saw the Americans win gold and likely didn't know that his own doom was ahead. Hundreds of thousands of boys, just like those huskies, would do the same to right. make sure that he he wouldn't continue. Right. By December, after the Olympic Games in 1936, Germans already knew that they were at war. His new Germany looked wonderful for everyone watching and listening to the games. I thought it was adorable because 
the race started at 9.15 our time, mm-hmm. and I guess all the radios in the Seattle area were tuned in sure. to listening to For sure. Yeah, I Absolutely. Sweet. Um, three years later, everybody else would know it wasn't actually the case. The author, author noted that there were 50 to 60 million deaths, and just that 50 to 60 million because they don't really know. They don't really so know. that's a long, that's a big, big it is a big, no, uh, yeah. it's a big difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This story just inspires me for so many reasons. Obviously the underdog winning goal is sure. huge, but I love that these boys abandon all doubts. They push through pain and suffering together to be a part of something bigger and more powerful than themselves. It was no surprise to me to read that they met one to two times a year after this. Love it. And every 10 years, they would row together in Lake Washington. <laughs> Isn't that it. cute? Yeah, that's they're saying? They, yeah, they'd pull their boat down. Their last one was in 1986. They were missing Chuck Day because he had um, unfortunately passed of lung cancer. He was a naval officer in the South Pacific. Oh, okay. Um, which I just recently watched the Pacific on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I had to watch it while food, you know, doing other stuff because mm-hmm. it's it's brutal. Mm-hmm. But everybody's smoking in that. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Everybody. Yes. So um, yes. that sadly doesn't surprise me no. that he would contract lung cancer. But their story is told every year to the new group of freshmen rowers at the University of Washington. It's amazing. So I love that that's keeping it alive. And like I said, you can rent the PBS documentary for under $5. Totally worth it. Okay. I can't wait for the movie coming out on Christmas. You know that I'm usually busy undecorating. Yes, on- you are. <laughs> Christmas. But- <laughs> But if I can talk the boys into that, maybe. Have you seen a trailer for it or anything? I did. Um, okay. I think with the Barbie movie. And oh, okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, I need to read that book because oh, everybody's okay. talked what, about it. That's yeah. What, that's okay. kind of what reminded me of it. Okay. And this, this story just needs to be shared. Right. I, just like that squirrel going and getting the, you know, gold, the gold medal. Dragging it. needs it to in. pull it back down. They were oh, proof amazing. that life isn't fair. No. And it isn't easy. You still have to trust people. When you have the right people on your side. Right. And when you make yourself available and you guys work together, extraordinary things can happen. I just, it was just such a feel-good story all around. That's great. Can't wait for the movie. Yes. So, like I said before, November is Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. And the Trebek family have launched the Alex Trebek Fund to accelerate critical research with the goal of better treating pancreatic cancer, which actually has the highest mortality rate of all the major cancers, which I did not know. The only reason I thought so is um, our friend Diane. I think she, because what did Patrick Swayze have? Oh, I'm not sure. Okay, continue. Okay, okay. And they have received over $1 million in contributions already. Wow. I know. So... Having made his American television debut in 1973, which I did not realize, he began hosting Jeopardy in 1984. So, oh my gosh! I know. So 1973, that I was that's a year when old. Jeopardy started. Yeah. But then he started Sorry, in 1984, okay. and he hosted the show for more than 36 years. Oh my gosh! I know. <laughs> As a beloved national icon who was watched in more than 20 million homes across America each week, he made. A lasting impact through this collaborative fund. So that's that doesn't why they surprise it. me because, like, when I'll ask um, 
some of the residents at work, you know, because I work at a retirement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll ask them, yeah, what are you doing tonight? And it's always like Jeopardy or, you know, (laughs) Wheel of Fortune or all of those game shows. So they're one of the 20 minutes. Has Ajak also retired? Yet, or is that like the end of this year? Or something? I'll ask them tomorrow. Okay, when I'm at work, I'll, okay, I'll check we'll it out. Yeah. yeah, so they were so. one of the 20 million for sure. Yes, so Ken Jennings, who is one of the current Jeopardy hosts, because I think it's him and Mayim Bialik still. Oh, okay. I think they're both doing it. Oh, okay, right, reflects on the impact that Trebek had on his life growing up, which I thought this was so cute. And how he's grown to appreciate his predecessor even more since he took over as a host. And he said, Jeopardy was always big for me as a kid, as Alex was a big inspiration for me. He created this place, this space, where it was safe to be a smart person. Oh, <laughs> that was so cute. Well, and she's really smart herself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when I was looking up, like, smart. She's a PhD. Smart celebrities. Mm-hmm. She was on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of people on there that um, I could be wrong, but I think she has her degree in neuroscience. I, I think you're right because okay. she's the one person on the Big Bang Theory that That's we're actually both love. correct. That, yeah, that yes. she's um, she is a, a neuroscientist. Smarty pants. Yes. Um, yeah. I did just use the Google machine, and Thank it was you. pancreatic cancer it is for pancreatic cancer yeah, for Patrick. And you know, really, when you think about it he would have had the best of care. Like, he would have been mm-hmm. able to afford mm-hmm. the best of care, and he, he did still yeah. pass away. Yeah. Um, Jennings continues, he was so good at it, so graceful, so perfect for the role, that we all thought the job was easy. <laughs> and it's not. Hosting Jeopardy is incredibly hard. And I think, too, like, I, I'm not a big Jeopardy washer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like it. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, with raising yeah. kids, yeah. we didn't watch Jeopardy. <laughs> with um, the TV dinners. Right. <laughs> But in watching after Alex passed away and watching, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of had some other hosts, I remember thinking, man, that, oh, that, <laughs> I know that sounds bad, but he did make it yeah, look very easy. The, easy. See, that's a sign someone's really good at their job sure. when they just, yeah. You know, sure. It's kind of like we've talked about with dancers that right. just make it look like, oh, I could do that. And then, right. Mm. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Nope. So Emily Trebek, who's Alex's daughter, said, I hope that all the fans and community of Jeopardy really can lean in and show support for this. I think they showed so much support for my dad when he was going through his cancer treatments. Mm -hmm. I hope they stand up for this great organization. So he actually worked. I didn't realize this either. He actually worked until a couple days before he passed away. The only reason I knew that is because he was in People. (laughs) Oh, that was one story that I had read. Okay. And because he he was... He just wanted to keep. I think going it's a good distraction. Normal. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. So, I wanted to talk about my friend Jerry Lynn. Um, she was thirty years ago. So, I've been an insurance adjuster for almost mm-hmm. for thirty years. And Jerry Lynn was a good friend of mine. She was one of my mentors when I started. And Jerry Lynn was a runner. She was also one of those people that ate organic before organic mm-hmm. was cool. This was probably in the early two thousands. She had an organic farm. Oh my gosh. And never knew she had cancer, and she just had back pain that she mm-hmm. couldn't get rid of. And mm-hmm. I think at the time she thought it was probably, and she was super fit, mm-hmm. and ended up with pancreatic cancer and oh. passed away. So I, I just remember thinking, how can Jerry Lynn, yeah, have cancer? I know. And so whenever I think about pancreatic cancer, I always think about my sweet friend oh. Jerry Lynn, and I. I'm grateful for this. Um, I was all gra- also grateful to see what I'm going to talk about next. Uh, how old um, was uh, your Jerry friend? Lynn? Probably yeah. in her 30s. Oh my gosh, just so young. So young. And yes. that's the thing. You just yes, uh, something in the environment or something right. because 
Right. Um, to be so healthy. Right. And, and it, it's just a scary one, too, yeah. because you think, I pulled something on my yeah. back? Like, I was and by working time out? They, or... Yeah. By the time they yeah. find out, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. So according to Stand Up to Cancer, an estimated 1 in 64 people in the U.S. will be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. But this year, pancreatic cancer is expected to impact 64,000 Americans and is on the rise among young people. But I love this. However, in 2023, pancreatic cancer survival went up. Oh, God. Now, why is it on the rise in young people? I'm curious. They didn't say. Hmm. They didn't say. Hmm. Which makes me wonder, Mm -hmm. like you said, what is What's out there? Yeah. So this is marking the first time since 2017 that the survival rate has gone up two years in a row. It's exciting. Right. That's great. And so I love seeing that um, this is getting out getting out there with mm-hmm. his family and mm-hmm. this million dollar in contributions to research. And so for f- further information on donating, please visit standuptocancer.org. I love that. I know. I did too. So is life. The very problems you must overcome also support you and make you stronger in overcoming them. George Pocock. It's not a question of whether you will hurt or of how much you will hurt. It's a question of what you will do and how well you will do it. The boys in the boat. We want to hear from you. Please email us your thoughts, story ideas, or just say hi at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com. Tell us about someone inspiring in your life and like or subscribe to our podcast. It helps us out and helps others find us. You can find more information about us at our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Follow us on Instagram at Tangential Inspiration Podcast or find us on Facebook. Have a great week.